What's up, everybody, and welcome back to episode 51 of the 1% Podcast, creeping up on 52 weeks straight. Super excited about that. Hope everybody had a happy new year. I know we had a podcast last week, but hope everybody's kicking off the new year strong, starting it right, you know, sticking to your goals and all the things that you wrote down because, you know, usually New Year's Eve and New Year's are just a normal day. So if you guys have those disciplined habits and those things that you're consistently doing should be just another day and hopefully you're adding on to some of those things and, you know, going to make 2023 the best year yet. Uh, With that being said, congrats to all the Georgia fans Wow. I mean, that was just my biggest nightmare happened on Monday night, but that was just an absolute beat down by Georgia over TCU. I mean, it's pretty incredible how they went back to back and did that in the national championship. So I got nothing else to say other than props to you um, and congratulations. One thing I wanted to point out about that is, you know, Kirby Smart just being an awesome leader. I know we talk about leadership, extreme ownership uh, is the book I'm reading right now. And a lot of the things in that book, I feel like he exemplifies. I know he coached under Saban um, and learned a lot from him, but also has his own twist to what he does. And I thought it was pretty cool how he he got all the players on Georgia thinking that they were underdogs somehow or that they were going to go five and seven or six and six is what everybody was saying, which... I don't think anybody was saying that, but the fact that he could get the players to buy in and believe that uh, is pretty incredible. And I think that that just shows what type of leader he is. And there's a reason why they just won back-to-back national championships. So uh, Alabama will be back next year. Nick Saban will have something to say, but congratulations on an absolute beatdown. Um, today on the podcast, I'm going to talk about you know how to buy a home in 2023. Uh, some of you guys know I'm a loan officer working in a real estate office, so I deal with this stuff on a daily basis, um, helping people you know establish and fulfill their goals and dreams of home ownership. Uh, I think everybody should aspire to buy a home. I think it's a great investment, a uh, great asset that appreciates and it helps you earn money uh, over time. And then having you know investment properties in real estate is a great way to set yourself up financially for the future. Uh, one of my 2023 goals along with Nina is to get one of our first investment properties. So we're working on doing that to hopefully have some passive income coming in and it kind of sets you up for the future as I will explain later in the podcast. Uh, with that being said, the NFL playoffs are set. Uh, last thing I'll touch on before I get into the home buying stuff, but uh, super excited for you know, all the playoffs. I bet you Tom Brady makes another run just because of who he is. Uh, my prediction for the Super Bowl is the Bills versus the 49ers, and I think the Bills win. So we will see how that goes, but I've been completely wrong before. I could see the Bills, Chiefs, or Bengals coming out of the AFC, and I could see the Niners or the Eagles coming out of the NFC. So obviously rooting for Jalen Hurts, but we will see what happens. So with that being said, kind of getting into the me to the podcast on how to buy a home. You know, as I mentioned, I'm a loan officer, so I'm working with stuff on the daily. Um, kind of want to go through the process, what it looks like as a home buyer's perspective, and basically kind of interviewing myself of, you know, how the process works for anybody who's looking to buy a home in the next year or two years, you know, or setting up a plan for goals for 2023 in order to save enough money to potentially buy a home in 2024. Um, so a bunch of cool products and programs. A lot of the big misconceptions is the 
fact that you have to put 20% down to buy a home, that is not the case at all. Um, for all first time home buyers, you have the ability to put 3% down uh, on your home. And then there's also a program for repeat home buyers who make less than $75,000 a year to put 3% down as well. Um, on those first time home buyer programs and the income related programs, there are breaks for the interest rate. So those allow you to have a little less mortgage insurance and also uh, a better interest rate. Um, than some other conventional loan products. Um, for repeat buyers that make more than $75,000 a year, uh, you can put as little as 5% down. However, I would say that most repeat home buyers put more than 5% down just because they already had ownership in a property. Um, appreciation over the last several years has been at a crazy rate just due to COVID and inflation and a lot of other things. So we were seeing some property values increase at over 20% in a year, which is basically unheard of. However, if your property value was 500000 in 2020 and it appreciated 20%, your property is then worth $600,000. And the way that a loan works is it's based on the appraised value and the purchase price that's agreed on between you and the seller of the home. Uh, once the appraisal has taken place and we get a value, so let's say you go under contract for $500,000, but the appraisal comes in at five fifty. dollars well, you agreed on the $500,000 sales price. However, you already have $50,000 of built-in equity. So your loan is going to be based off of the $500,000 purchase price that you agreed on with the seller, and you would then put 3% down on that. So just ballpark numbers there, that's a $15,000 down payment, which I think is pretty reasonable, especially for you know people that are making a good amount of money or they're living at home with their parents or they've been living at home during COVID and they're able to save money. Um, so with that being said, you know closing costs associated with the loan that deal with the lender fees, your escrow, because you have to prepay your taxes and insurance, um, as well as the title fees. Um, are going to add up to around two to three percent of the purchase price. So I would say if you are going to buy a house that's five hundred thousand dollars with three percent down, um, that is going to cost you around twenty five to thirty thousand dollars all in with a three percent down payment. Um, so there are fees associated with the closing um, that are on top of the down payment. However, you know, with the climate of the market that we're in right now, we are seeing a lot of sellers give seller concessions towards. Um, closing costs for buyers. And what that means is they're allocating money uh, from the sale of their home towards your closing costs. So if you get $10,000 in closing costs on the $500,000 home, then your cash to close is really going to only be around fifteen dollars to $20,000. So therefore, it kind of eases your transition into the home um, to be able to bring less cash to the table. Now, if your cash to close is not a big issue for you, and that is not something that you're worried about, and you have funds remaining you know, for the down payment and closing costs, you can always allocate those seller concessions to buy down the interest rate. Now, buying down the interest rate helps you save money over time on your monthly payment. So there's a way for us to find your break-even point to see how many months it would take you to recoup that investment to see if it makes sense. So there's a lot of ways to get your monthly payment down. There's a lot of ways to lower the cash to close. And there's definitely a lot of wiggle room inside the industry to build creative deals to make sure that it lines up with you and what you need. Now, with that being said, to qualify for a home, 
Um, there's many ways to go about it. So there's two products that I would keep in mind as far as um, buying a home for a first time home buyer, and that would be a conventional loan or an FHA loan. Now the conventional loan is kind of what I talked about, 3% down for first time home buyers or anyone that makes underneath the area and media average median income of the 75,600, which it is for Fulton County. Um, and then three and a half percent down is for FHA. Now, anybody can get an FHA loan at any time, but you can only have one FHA loan at a time. So you cannot buy a home with an FHA loan, move out, turn it into investment property, and then buy another home with an FHA loan. You'd have to refinance out of that. Um, but the FHA loan has upfront mortgage insurance, which is rolled into the loan amount. So it doesn't cost you any extra money at the closing table or on your monthly payment necessarily. However, it is rolled into the loan balanced and it is, you know, paid off over that 30 year period of the loan. Um, so also for those of you that don't know, loans are usually 30 year fixed loans. Um, that means the interest rate is fixed. It is not variable. However, there are arms, balloons, and other types of mortgages that we can originate, but I won't get into that just for the basis of information and people able to you know, soak this information up and actually utilize it. If you would like an arm, it's an adjustable rate mortgage. We do those as well. Um, those are in five, seven, or 10-year periods, and they usually have a little bit better interest rate to start, but then are variable after the fact. Um, arm stands for adjustable rate mortgage. So back to the FHA loan. FHA loans are you know, very prominent in the area. They're for lower income and lower credit borrowers. Uh, we can go all the way down to 580 credit score on an FHA loan. So with that being said, you know, if you have a lower income or lower credit score, it allows your debt to income ratio to be up to 55%. Now debt to income ratio is something that you really need to know what it is when you are buying a home or at least what it means. Um, the debt to income ratio is basically what it says. It's your debt divided by your income and you get a percentage and the percentage has to be below 55% on an FHA loan and below 50 on a conventional loan if you have good credit. Now, what that means is it takes your proposed monthly housing expense. So let's say just for ballpark numbers, you have a $120,000 salary a year. So you're making exactly $10,000 a month and your monthly payment on your home is going to be $2,000. Now, with that being said, that would be your principal, interest, taxes, and insurance, plus your HOA dues is all that we have to calculate into that figure. So we'll take that monthly payment, and we would add it to any outstanding debt or liabilities that you have. That would be any installment or revolving debt, which would be credit cards or um, student loans that you may have outstanding or a car loan or anything of that nature. Um, from the bank that is on your credit report that we will pull in when we do get an application. Now, with that being said, to calculate your student loans, we take your student loan balance and for any FHA loan, we use half a percent. Uh, for conventional loans, there is Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. We use a full percent for Fannie Mae and half a percent of the total loan balance for Freddie Mac. So you can still go conventional with those student loans. However, FHA does give you a little bit more wiggle room if you're trying to qualify for more financing. With that being said, where I was getting at with the debt to income ratio with your $2,000 proposed monthly payment. So we have $2,000 and your debt to income ratio can be maximum of 50%. So if you make $10,000 a month, you're allowed to have up to $3,000 of monthly liabilities on your credit report and still qualify. 
Now, I don't see that very often for people to have more liabilities than they do as their monthly payment. However, I'm just using that for a ballpark example. Uh, we try to keep the debt to income ratios between 30 and 40% just because that's usually where people are going to be comfortable because we are taking the income. If you are W-2, we're taking your salaried income. So that is before taxes. So when the taxes are taken out, you obviously have less money. Uh, I know a lot of people are contributing to an IRA, 401k, um, whatever the case may be, we are just making sure that you're going to be financially stable enough to pay for your liabilities as well as the home. Because if you miss your monthly payments on your mortgage, you will get foreclosed on and you will lose the home. So just have to make sure that we're following all the lending guidelines and rules to make sure that everyone is able to qualify for their home and be able to pay it off over time. Um, with that being said, you know, getting into some of the things and the documents that you need to have ready as far as getting into a home. So if you are a 1099 employee, it's going to be a little bit different. So I'm going to start with a W-2 employee and all the documents that you're going to need, um, in order to qualify for the loan. And then we'll get into the 1099 because that's a little bit different, a little bit more complicated. So as far as a W-2 employee is concerned, you know, you have to have a two year history of employment. However, if you did go to school and graduate with a degree in the field that you are working in, and this can be pretty broad. Um, however, you know, if you have a business degree and you're working in the finance world or you're working in business or you're working in sales, you know, we can tailor that to your degree. And what that would do is it would give you a history of a two years of employment. So let's say you've been working for a year, you have a, you know, $100,000 salary, we would use one year of education as employment, and we'd use that $100,000 salary as your qualifying monthly income. Um, and then we would go ahead and qualify you for the loan. You can also get a gift from a family member or a relative as your down payment. So, you know, if you live at home with your parents, or you're saving some money up, um, or your parents have the ability to gift you money for the down payment and closing costs, you're more than welcome to do that. Um, on some files, there are reserves that are needed. So you, sometimes you do have to have a balance in your bank account after closing, just to make sure you're going to be financially stable enough to make those payments. However, we would need a two year history of work. So if you are not working in the same field that you graduated in and or you are just been working for several years. We would need your two most recent W-2s. If you are paid bonus, overtime, or commission, we would need your two most recent year-end pay stubs to average that income over that two-year period. Um, and then we would need two most recent bank statements. Um, now, with that being said, it's really not too much documentation if there's not much hair on the file, meaning there's not anything on the credit report or liabilities that need to be documented. Um, and if there's nothing that's too you know, crazy with the income, then usually there's not too much documentation. Um, and then on top of that, we just need a copy of your driver's license. Um, and then kind of transitioning into a 1099 employee and how that works is we do have to get your full tax returns, federal tax returns, and we do average your income over a two-year period. However, we do use your adjusted gross income. So for anyone that is a 1099 employee that has gotten their taxes filed, you know that you're trying to expense as much of your business as possible when you're working with your CPA in order to write off as much 
as possible to where you're not paying as much in taxes. However, if you are looking to qualify for a home, we do use the adjusted gross income. So therefore, that is after everything is expensed and written off. So if you know you're going to try and buy a home in the next year or two and you are a 1099 employee, you need to speak with your CPA and let him him or her know that you are trying to buy a home because we are working directly against each other. Because your CPA is working in your best interest, trying to make sure you're paying as little amount as possible on taxes. And I'm working in your best interest, trying to make sure you can qualify for the most amount of financing and you're still going to be able to pay for it. Uh, I do run into a lot of issues with this because people think that they're making $200,000 a year, but their CPA shows that they're making $75,000 adjusted gross income. Um, So there are some issues with the 1099 employment when it comes to qualification, because as I mentioned, we do have to average it over a two-year period. So if you made $75,000 in 2021 as your adjusted gross income, and you made $125,000 in 2022, your uh, average qualifying income is going to be $100,000 a year divided by 12 will give us your monthly income for qualification. So as a 1099 employee, we will need two years two years of your tax returns, as well as two years of your 1099s. We will also need the two most recent months of your bank statements, and then as well as a copy of your driver's license. So a lot of the documentation is very much the same. Um, However, when you are trying to qualify for a home, we do need to make sure that you're going to be financially stable enough to pay for it, as I've mentioned several times. And so that's kind of what goes into it. As far as buying a home is concerned, I think it's a great investment um, because what what I talked about is the appreciation, right? So you're paying down the principal balance of your loan and your home is appreciating in value. So you're basically storing, your down payment is basically you storing money in an appreciating asset. So let's give an example that we gave earlier in the podcast about a home that was worth $500,000 in 2020 that appreciated a 20% clip over that year and is now worth a $600,000 home. So with that being said, if you sell that $600,000 home, you've paid your mortgage down over a two-year period and your mortgage is now at $450,000 balance. When you sell that home, you are going to make $150,000. Now you do have to pay the real estate agent commission. You pay for both the seller and the buyer. Uh, as far as commission is concerned. So if you are buying a home, the cost of a realtor to you is $0. So you are not paying for their services. The seller is paying for their services. So I highly, highly, highly recommend using a realtor. Don't think it's very smart and it doesn't save you any money. It's probably going to lose you money on the deal because you're going to end up signing a contract that's not in your best interest. So if you do want me to put you in contact with a realtor, I'd be more than happy to. Um, And with that being said, Going back to our example, the house is now worth $600. You're profiting $150 minus the commissions. So basically, you had to put 3% into that home. So you're paying $15,000 plus closing costs. Let's say you have $25,000 all in, but $15,000 is to the principal balance of the loan or as your down payment. So now the loan is paid down to a $450,000 loan. So you basically have only put you know, about thirty, forty thousand dollars into paying down that loan when you take into account principal interest, taxes, and insurance. So now you're making about $150,000 off of a 3% down payment that has then been paid over time. Whereas if you're paying rent, you're just paying for somebody else's mortgage. So you're paying 100% interest. So even when people are talking about how the interest rates are a little bit higher, they're in the low sixes, high fives right now. Um, 
you know, it really is a great investment. So I would love to kind of further talk to anybody who wants to buy a home in the near future or in the next couple of years and kind of set up a game plan for you. Uh, we are licensed in Alabama, Georgia, Florida, the Carolinas and Tennessee. Um, so any anywhere in the Southeast, if you're looking for a home, I can always connect you with an agent or connect you with someone who can help with the financing, even if it's not myself. Um, we have very creative products you know, bank statement loans. We have a bunch of different stuff to tailor to you and your current situation. So I'd love to kind of talk to you about that. Um, And then the last thing I wanted to touch on is as far as real estate goes is investing in real estate. Um, So if you are a first time home buyer, you're a single person and you're looking to buy a home and potentially rent it out, um, you could buy a home and rent out the rooms. But what you could also do is buy a duplex three unit property or a four unit property and use an FHA loan. Now to do that, you need three and a half percent down. So, you know, let's say the property is worth, you know, $400,000. You're looking at about a $14,000 down payment, but then you're allowed to rent out the other three units. So you can basically have your tenants paying for your mortgage as you live in the property. So you would owe no money basically after your rents are collected. And then with an FHA loan, the requirement is you have to live in that property for 12 months and then you can move out and flip it into investment property. So you can basically be cash flowing day one and then you can move out after 12 months and really, really rake in you know, the money that you're getting from those rents. Because if your mortgage payment on that property is you know $2,500 and you're paying your tenants are paying a thousand dollars a month for the mortgage, your or for their rent, excuse me. You're cash flowing five hundred dollars off the bat, and then after you move out, you're cash flowing fifteen hundred dollars, and you're paying for your loan. Therefore, you're gaining the appreciation in the home as well as paying down the principal balance of the loan. So you're basically making money while you sleep, and so that is why investing in real estate is a awesome, awesome awesome investment for you as well as your family, being able to establish long-term wealth. You know, if you do that to five properties and you're making $7,500 in cash flow a month, all you have to do is make sure that everything is going well with the property. You can sign a tenant into a lease where they have to take care of, you know, anything walls in and you're taking care of walls out, you know, policies like that, as far as insurances is concerned, renter's insurance is a thing that you can make your renters get to make sure everything is covered um, in that policy inside the home. So, you know, it's really a great investment storing your cash in an appreciating asset and all these things about the housing market crashing, I think couldn't be farther from the truth. Uh, when we see this unemployment rate go up when a lot of people are going to get laid off from their jobs, which is going to be sad to see, but it's probably coming in the next few months. Um, The interest rates will plummet. So they will go down. The unemployment rate directly impacts interest rates. Um, And I think right now is an awesome time to buy a home because you can buy a home now, get seller concessions to either help buy down your interest rate or ease the the cost to get into the home with your closing costs. Um, And then you can just refinance in the future and drop that monthly payment. So We're not going to put you in a home that you can't qualify for and that you can't afford. So therefore, if you can afford it at the 6% interest rate and you're able to refinance into a five or even lower when the time comes, you're going to, you're going to be more than well off um, in the home. And then you could potentially rent out either a room or another unit if you have a, you know, duplex three unit or a multifamily home. So, you know, if you're looking to invest in some real estate, I think it's a great, great, investment. Um, I know this is a little bit different of a podcast, but I just kind of wanted to share some of the benefits of buying a home with you guys because that is my profession. Uh, So I did kind of want to just 
sort of interview myself, I guess, per se, um, and share some of the benefits of buying a home. Um, have helped several of our friends get into a home recently. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited about the future and excited to help, you know, a lot of you guys that are listening right now out when you do buy a home. So if you got any questions for me, give me a call, shoot me a DM, shoot me a text. Super excited for the future. Uh, should have some more interviews coming here soon and uh, appreciate you guys tuning into the podcast and, uh, thanks for listening and love you guys. Appreciate it.